1: Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host filling in today, tomorrow and Wednesday, Mike McIntosh. And um, we are trying to spur us all on to do better with the Lord and to bring revival to our country at a down, down time. And we'll be talking a little bit about Afghanistan and some other things in the military. And uh, we have some good guests coming the rest of this week together. We want to talk uh, about families in distress And uh, there's a horrible situation in the Los Angeles area, as you know, and we have someone whose family also has gone through that, that we're going to be discussing with them. And how do you get through traumatic, horrible situations? Is it possible? Yes, it is very possible. Uh, My next guest has been with Billy Graham Association a long, long time. And uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. And he is here to help us. He's one of the leading authorities, I feel, in the USA on uh, history of the church and of revival and awakenings. So I'd like you to welcome uh, my guest, Dr. Tom Phillips. Tom, thank, thank you for being here. Hey,
2: Mike. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much. Uh, you're more than welcome. And I'm hoping everybody's okay in the family.
2: Everybody's Your family. Been great. Yes, they are. As you know, uh, our daughter, Molly, who you helped get her private pilot's license, retired as a C-17 Air Force pilot. And I sent her pictures today, Mike, ah. of the people in Afghanistan trying to hang on to a C-17 as it took off loaded with people, getting them out of Kabul. And uh, they were falling to the ground from the air because oh, they no- wanted to live. And oh. uh, she said uh, she knew the pilots who went in there w- were expecting that to happen. But she said she prayed for the people of Afghanistan and especially the women and children. But she also prayed for that United States Air Force pilot team who will always remember those deaths of those people falling off that plane.
1: Yes, that'll be traumatic uh, the rest of their lives for them. Um, I have that photograph that she sent or you sent um, She was piloting a C-17, our largest, most modern people and equipment mover in the Air Force, and uh, she had a 45 strapped onto the front of her chest, and I thought, sweet little Molly, and I remember when she did come and stay with us, and uh, we helped her get started in flying. Um, Well, your son also is a graduate from the Air Force Academy, if I remember right. Isn't that true? That's true.
2: He also uh, was the test pilot for the new F-35 Joint Strike Fighter that's now in operations and a brand new version of the F-15 Strike Eagle, which is the F-15EX. So our family has stood as patriots for this nation Mm. for many generations. And we're certainly proud of our son, our daughter, and her husband, who Mm. also was an Air Force fighter pilot and They both, he and she, are now both flying for commercial airlines. Uh, So our our world is in turmoil today, isn't it, Mike?
1: It's horrible. Yes, it is. And unfortunately, as usual, the masses don't understand what's going on. And there's confusion, I think, in the Christian community, too. And that's what I thought you and I could bring some hope, uh, Mm -hmm. because both of our hearts go towards revival. And how many years have you worked with Franklin and his dad, Billy? I started
2: uh, in 1974 uh, Hmm. as a seminary student, just doing a uh, six-month internship on a doctorate. And, of course, as you know, I also took a uh, couple of sabbaticals away, one of them to (laughs) work with you and to serve uh, the people of your church in San Diego. So it's been a wonderful opportunity because Mr. Graham was the one who said uh, since 1949— his prayer was this. I am praying for an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, Holy Ghost revival that will sweep America from coast to coast. Hmm. And when he died just a couple of years ago, all he could do was pray. And that was ah. his prayer, even in his latter years.
1: He loved his country. Amazing. I asked him a question one time, Tom, that uh, I said, Mr. Graham, what is it like to... Uh, be one of the most well-known people on the planet in modern history, and he put his hand over his face and humbly bowed it, and his face turned red, and I thought, oh, oh, I pushed the wrong button. But he just said, why do you think people have me around? And I said, well, Mr. Graham, it's because you are a strong believer. You have a tremendously powerful charismatic presence. You... Uh, love God, and so these movie stars, these queens and kings and presidents, they all want around you, and he shook his head. And He said, no, that's not it. He said, they want to hear about Jesus. And, uh, Mike, I'm nothing but a, a, a North Carolina farm boy, and the day that I forget that, God will never use me again. That helped that's propel right. me for, for many, many decades now. So stay that humble. He just was a transparent man. And he knew some of the people that were involved with revival, and he would have some of them teaching at the Billy Graham Schools of Evangelism, and you would host them. And I learned so much when I was at those schools. Give, give us some background for the person that's listening that is a believer, and maybe not even a believer. They don't even know what a revival is. It's not something that right. you pay to have a speaker come in. It's just a sovereign move of God. Go ahead and just give us some ideas and thoughts, Tom.
2: Mike, um, you just said it very, very clearly. It's a move of God, and it was reflected in the New Testament whenever the prodigal son, who had been very wealthy, took his inheritance, left his father and went and wasted everything. And of course, as we think of the prodigal, we have to think of our nation. In some ways, we've gone through a lot of materialistic, uh, self-centered times, and all of a sudden, he realized this man After he had lost all the money that he had, he was living in a pigsty, feeding pigs. And he said, my father's servants, my father's servants are living better than I. I'm going home. And I can only imagine how the love of that father, just like God's love for us today, the love of that father had gone out every day looking down that dusty path, trusting as God looks at us today and trusts us to come home. And it's time for America to come home. And one day, this man saw this disheveled, filthy, ragged figure walking down the road. And maybe God looks at us today, and we think Hmm. that we're so strong and we're so arrogant in in our vanity of materialism. But I know now we're beginning to be broken because we see what's happening to our nation. And that father ran, literally ran to his son threw his arms around that son, all of his filth, and he said to those around him, for this my son was dead, Hmm. is alive again. And that word alive again is on a zeo, and that's the word in the New Testament for revival. When the church and God's kids have forgotten God, become indifferent or skeptical, uh, when they, for some reason, have some type of infidelity or disunity in their heart. And then God throws his arms around us in a sovereign move of his grace, like a spirit of love that comes from some unseen continent and flows with such power that no man or woman can stop it like that dad wrapping his arms around the son. My son was dead. He's mm-hmm. alive again, was lost. And that's what Mr. Graham said. I preach to the lost. He's lost, but now is found. And that's the word Mm -hmm. revival. Now, Billigram Evangelistic Association, we know how to organize evangelism or preaching the good news anywhere in the world, which we've done. And yet this move of God is in his hands. Mm -hmm. Only he can fall on his kids. And the essence of revival is that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes down on a number of churches or districts or a whole country. It's really a visitation of the Holy Spirit. And that's why in the Bible and the book of Habakkuk, God says to us through the writer, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Hmm. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. And I think Isaiah says it well when he says, Arise, Jerusalem. And that's us now, the new Jerusalem. Let your shine for all. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness, as black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. And my, my, my! How it mm. does that today? But Isn't that right? the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. So Jesus said, "I'm the light of the world," and He says to us today, "Let your light so shine." that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So you're right. Revival is a visitation of God.
1: And tell us a little about some that I know you've studied and and taught about of the moves. For instance, your friend uh, David Bruce always had a great message that was revival when he would teach at the schools of evangelism. Um, There is that one instance in New York City where it started as a prayer meeting. Would you mind telling the audience? Because this, I think, uh, having a grandmother and a mother that were intercessors as prayer warriors and understanding prayer like you do, I think that's where it's got to start. Americans need to start with prayer. But would you tell the audience about that move of God, of just a handful of people praying? That's
2: perfect. Um, Prayer always precedes God's moving. Um, God's people, out of brokenness, go to their knees and begin to pray. And in 1858, there was a church that ended up in an industrial area of New York on Fulton Street. And they didn't know what to do because all the people had moved away as industry had moved in. So they hired this, we call them layman, not a pastor, but a man who loved evangelism, loved people, and said, would you come and try to run this church? So a man named Jeremiah C. Lampier came to that church in 1858, and he didn't know what to do, so he went to the printer and had some placards made that he could hand out to the businesses around the church, and he said, let's pray, because there were not enough people left on Sundays to come to a regular service, but He knew every day from noon until one o'clock in those days, people brought their lunch and they prayed, uh, pardon me, they ate their lunch during this time. So he thought we can pray during this time. And he set the first meeting for a Wednesday in the second floor of the building behind the church called the Consistory Building of the Old North Dutch Church. And he was there at 12 o'clock and nobody. Hmm. 12.05, no one. 12.10, no one. 12.30, one person. And by one o'clock, six people had come to pray for the nation, for their friends who didn't know the Lord. And so they said, well, let's do it again. So the next week, same time, they had 20 people to shorten the story within six months. Now, mind you, this is right before the Civil War. This is at a time of great disunity in our country, Hmm. a lack of biblical life. We had slavery in our nation, a time of great brokenness where brothers finally turned against brothers, families against families, somewhat like the pieces of the puzzle today. Within six months, the New York newspaper's editor sent a reporter around with horse and buggy and said, count how many people are praying, because people began to meet. It overflowed that second floor. It overflowed the church. Other churches joined in, praying from 12 to 1. They would simply sing one verse of a hymn. They would read a portion of scripture, one verse or two only, and then they literally would pray for their friends who didn't know God, that good news could come into their lives, salvation, hope, purpose, mm. and meaning. And when that reporter came back to the editor with horse and buggy, one hour, he had counted over 8,000 people praying. And Charles Finney, the great revivalist evangelist of that day, said he never knew of a preacher leading one of those groups. It was just laymen. And they were praying for unsafe friends. This exploded. It was a little system, and it exploded across America all the way to the edge of the West, which was Chicago and Kentucky. And there were meetings of 1,000 to 4,000 people Monday through Friday praying. God honored that prayer. God flowed on this nation. And in two years, out of 30 million population, a million people had come to Christ. That it exploded a young nation in the midst of the frontier and it literally set up this toddling baby nation. It stabilized the West. It brought remarkable sobriety to our nation. Why did this occur? Why did people go to their knees? Well, they they, they didn't need God. They were indifferent at first, but there was a bank collapse that started in Canada, moved down into the eastern seaboard of America. They didn't have any welfare systems, no backup financially now they didn't have money for their home payments, their rent, their food, their clothing. And they went to their knees and they cried out to God to touch the nation. God responded. They began to pray for their friends in need, their friends in spiritual need. God responded. And the power of God, Mike, which is far more powerful than Washington, D.C. or any government spread Hmm. across this nation and one-thirtieth. One million people had come to Christ, and the nation changed. It leavened the whole nation, and it became a moral place, and it gave an impetus to all the good things that later happened in the United States of America, including the anti-slavery movement. So not unlike today, God moved, and that's what we need to happen, and it came from prayer and it didn't come from great organizations it came from prayer meetings and it didn't come from erudite scholarly theologians it came from men and women coming out of the factories and industry and praying for God to move on America praying for their families and praying for the unsafe friends warriors which we need today and God is calling his kids today to be warriors in prayer and in action action especially in love
1: hmm. Especially in love, and we highlight that. That's an amazing thought. Now, you were the director for Mr. Graham for some time and and, wor- and worked your way uh, through the organization to where you helped him get those crusades organized, like you mentioned. And there were some phenomenal things, and we don't have that much time. We have a few more minutes, but I think people look at somebody, Billy, and they see him maybe as somebody supernatural could never attain to what he is doing. But I can remember some of those crusades were very unique. For instance, in Hong Kong, there was a, I think, a tsunami or something, not a tsunami, but a uh, cyclone, and it poured down rain, and everybody wanted to stop to have that crusade, and that first night it was filled up that they took another uh, stadium next door, do you remember right. that? I think Sam Jones was uh, the manager there in Hong Kong. And then he fl- flew to Thailand to take a rest and he went to Nagaland. Do you remember the Nagaland crusade? The war was going on. I wasn't on?
2: there, but uh, I know the yeah. stories. Yeah. yeah that, and I, I, the one that I remember most was the one in Hungary. Uh, it was ah. actually still communist, it was within the old Iron Curtain. And I had moved in, out of crusade directing. To running the training department, and I got a call uh, at 12,000 feet in in the upper mountains of uh, Bolivia, and they said, would you give up your new job and go to Hungary to direct that crusade? And we only had four months. Normally, it's a full year of Mm. organizing a nation and training the people and, again, making sure that literally tens of thousands of Christians are working together in prayer and training and organizing for the event. So I said, sure, I'd love to do that. Well, I didn't know how to do that. So we went to Hungary, and this is powerful, Mike. The president of this communist country invited our leadership into his office, and he said the churches have unitedly asked for you to come and preach the gospel. He said, we are in trouble. Now, this is a communist party member. Mm-hmm. He said, we are in trouble morally morally ethically and spiritually. Whatever you do in North America, do it here. Never ask if it's legal because everything we did was illegal. Never ask if it's legal. I will take care of that. In other words, he realized that in the deteriorating governmental circumstances, the destruction of society through communism, that Mm. only The gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's the gospel of love. That's the gospel of redemption. That's the gospel of remaking a human being inside out, could change their nation. And he assigned to me a security agent, KGB in those days we called them, and he said, Tell him whatever you need, it will make it happen. And interestingly, two weeks before that event occurred, never had a United event in 44 years never had a public evangelistic good news proclamation event in 44 years. That man came to Christ, six-foot-five-inch Ishvan purity. He -hmm. stood up one day, two weeks before the crusade, as we got out of a car, and he said, I have become a man of faith. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen, but we had done all the pieces with the underground church. They had come out of the woodwork. We'd done all the training would reached into southern Russia, western Romania, where they spoke Hungarian, organized the country with the help of that great underground church. On a rainy day in Nep Stadium, a world-class track and field stadium that seated 82,000, their number, 110,000 people came right as soon as the rain finished. They were coming in. And then at the invitation, I had 52,000 response kits ready with Bibles, Bible scriptures, study guides, in Ziploc bags. Ziploc bags were brand new with a pen and a response card. And when that invitation was given, the people ran. They literally ran to Jesus. They ran That's... to a changed life. They ran to purpose. And we, we couldn't even counsel them, didn't have enough. 27,000 people, as we counseled from the microphone, turned in their cards, and the churches moved so quickly. By Wednesday of the next week, they had met and visited with everyone throughout southern Russia, western Romania, and Hungary. My, 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 what God can do.
1: Well, Tom, we're going to have you back tomorrow, and uh, we have to go for a break right now. But what you're talking about speaks to me about America's in this place, the prodigal son, this uh, communist leader saying communism doesn't work. So thank you for being with all of us. And ladies and gentlemen, this is Mike McIntosh filling in. And we want to thank you for listening today. And we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Live from L.A. This is your host the next two days after this. And today would be three, I guess, wouldn't it? Uh, Mike McIntosh and... uh, we just spoke with Dr. Tom Phillips from the Billy Graham Association. He's uh, very close to the family, but was involved heavily with uh, mr. Graham's uh, crusades around the world and he's an expert on revival in our country. we that travel know that there's deep, deep problems and uh, I was in northern Iraq a few years ago, and I was in a meeting where a young man was a, a Muslim man and he was a member of the Parliament the uh, Kurdish Parliament and he is at the other end of the uh, table and he stood up and says I represent tens of thousands of people that hate you just because you're an American and I'd never said anything I'd heard this before and it just came to me and I said sir Washington DC and Hollywood, California really don't represent the American people the images that you're getting and uh, that sort of stunned him, I think. And afterwards, I invited him to come to San Diego and to stay with Sandy and me and bring his wife and uh, introduce him to the Muslim community here, and but also the Christian community and the politicians. He couldn't believe that somebody would do that. But Tom Phillips mentioned several times here about love, and that is the true badge of a Christian. It's not that you can work miracles. That's a gift. But love comes from God in First John chapter four, the Bible says that God is love. I can remember sitting with a member of Congress and uh, it was a five minute meet and greet we 're doing a, a a festival of life, what we call them uh, like a crusade, but we get hundreds and hundreds of Christians going to the towns we 're in and uh, gives them an opportunity to see uh, a large event from the street level but um, this this member of Congress. Um, said to me, uh, why am I afraid? And I said, well, I, I don't know you well enough to answer that. And she said, well, it's been since as a child. Oh, I see. And I said, do you want the pastoral glib answer, or do you want to know truth? She said, I desperately want to know truth. And I quoted First John, that he who fears is not made perfect in God's love, because perfect love casts out all fear. And from there came a five-minute meeting that turned into an hour and 45 minutes at uh, their request. And um, it was between God and this person. Now, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but, boy, you watch the news, you read the news, you hear the news. There's a lot of fear being poured out to us as a people. And we do not have a God of fear. Uh, It does say in Jude that we should save some with fear hating the things that spot their flesh, snatching them out of the fire, and others save with love. Be a gentle message. So I'm here to encourage you today. The Lord is enlisting people right now that will drop the things of this world and will follow him closely to do a preparation for evacuation planet Earth. And God loves you, and he loves your family. And there are no perfect Christians. The only perfect Christian that ever walked the earth was Jesus of Nazareth, but we will be in that perfected body, the celestial body as first Corinthians chapter fifteen talks about it. But we get so many things that distract us as moms and dads, and you need help. And God is such a great source of help. Uh they say there's no inflation, but holy moly. Used cars have gone up four or $5,000. New cars are beyond window sticker. And uh, you think of the price of uh, gasoline in Southern California. Um, it's just one thing after another, and you don't make enough money. And that's a lot of pressure. And so don't be driven to do things like uh, getting high, trying to soothe out all the pain and suffering. Trust me, you can go to the Lord day or night, 724, and the Lord will hear you before you even ask, and he will answer your prayer. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask in my name, you shall receive it from my Father who is in heaven. And he does love you. And Tom spoke about America being an analogy of that of the prodigal son that we've wandered as a nation. And do you know this is a fact that Christianity is no longer the top, quote-unquote, religion in America? Did you know that? And did you know what is the number one religion? I'll tell you. It's atheism. And it's all over in the younger generations and in the schools and in the media and the entertainment and the music. And we are, quote-unquote, losing ground. And if you'd like to talk about that a little bit or ask for prayer from the rest of Southern California, would you just simply dial one 888 557 5, 8, 8, 5, talks, T-A-L-K-S We'll be glad to take a prayer request We'll be glad to discuss it with you Because we're in troublous times right now And we were told there would be troublous times And there's a verse that I woke up to uh, After teaching the book of Revelation for decades um, I, I woke up to chapter 12 And uh, I saw many years ago That there's three ways that You can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You'll win the battle every time. And maybe there's a battle going over your family right now. You know that and you're embarrassed to talk about that. But uh, the saints overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. Don't ever forget the power that was in Jesus giving his life instead of your life for your sins, not his sins. Number one, we defeat him by the blood of the Lamb. Secondly, by the word of our testimony. Now, you are a testimony one way or the other. You're either a good testimony or you're not too good of a testimony. If they've seen me, then you've seen the Father, Jesus said. So we we are to be reflecting him, not a denomination, not a a focus point in, in doctrine, but the love of God. Paul the Apostle said, the love of God constrains me. And then the third thing was, they loved not their life unto death. Otherwise, they were... Willing to see the world around them and realize they would lay their lives down for others, just like Jesus did for them. Doesn't mean you have to die. You know, people say that's really something that they would die to be a martyr, but you know, it's harder to live for God. It's much easier to die. And this is the hard part we struggle against. We all struggle. And one of the things that helped me understand how do I get out of the struggle is the book of Galatians in the New Testament, a great place for you to look. You just simply go to chapter 5, and you'll see that the works, plural, of the flesh are these, and it'll name witchcraft, sorcery, which is the same word uh, for drug use or witchcraft, uh, adultery, on and on it names them. And then after that, about verse 19, 20, verse 20 probably, uh, it says, but the fruit of the spirit, singular." Is love, and then a comma. And when they came to this word love, the interpreters knew there's no word that could represent the love of God that He has for you. And they came up with phileo, which is brotherly love, eros, which is erotica. Uh, we get our word, stimulating, physically attracted. And then agape, which is divine, sacrificial. And that came from God. And He loves you. And he wants to help your family. He wants to help you. Listen, I know we're losing thousands of kids every month in America from the fentanyl that's coming into our country, much of it across our southern borders. It isn't the Mexican people that are a problem on our borders. It's not the problem. It's the Iranians and the Chinese and the military people. And now we've discovered in the San Diego area that the same tunnel engineering that is going on between uh, the Palestinians in Gaza uh, into Israel are the same tunnels being dug under the borders. So we are in need as a people, but people start with a person. And that person may be you, and you need God's love, and he will give it to you. He will show it to you. He will bless you. So we're going to go to a break here in about a minute. And uh, I'd like to say that tomorrow we're going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in Afghanistan. I have some messages from Afghanistan. Uh, I debrief Marines and law enforcement and shootings. And I have access to some of these things. But uh, answered prayer happened last night uh, among a team. So we want to talk about that. We want to ask, with this horrible thing that happened in LA during the weekend, this family, How do you make it through rough, rough, horrible situations? And we're going to have somebody that you'll know, this family, who they are and what the crime was. And this member is going to show you how God's love can just do about anything beyond what you and I can imagine. He's alive. He's breathing. Be revived and take the Lord into your heart like never before. You simply ask him, forgive me of my sins. He will do exactly that. So we'll be right back after this break. Uh, this is Mike McIntosh live from Los Angeles. We want to thank you for being with us today and sharing. 888 is the number, 5282557. Well, welcome back from this break. We appreciate you. This is your host filling in for the next three days, Mike McIntosh. And um, I'd just like to do a little recap here. There's method to my madness. Uh, Pastor Barry Stagner joined us and gave us an update on In Times, which he is very well versed in. And then Carlos Avias from the New York Police Department, former a detective, in fact, the union rep for all detectives, all those thousands of detectives, uh, joined us of why we don't defund the police and what is the morale. And we found out that uh, officers in the NYPD, young officers, are retiring early and getting an early uh, pension. And uh, the evil one is about, that's for sure. And then we had Dr. Tom Phillips from Billy Graham Association paralleling the prodigal son in America to being great and having everything but dissatisfied and walked away from our father's blessings. And now we're coming very close to the end of the broadcast, and uh, we come up with the fact that we need revival, a move of God. Um, I've been able to travel literally around the world and see from war zones to jungle situations and see God do miracles to fill stadiums and arenas and uh, see many, many people over the years come to Jesus. And it's when the body of Christ is on the move that she's the best. And when you start serving instead of always being catered to, you will find more power in your Christian life. In uh, northern Iraq, I was on a team to help bring some sanity, some debriefings. I'm trained in critical stress management, and I instruct uh, several of those courses. I help debrief law enforcement after shootings and traumatic experiences, and also uh, our military. And um, about four years ago or so, in northern Iraq, when ISIS was at its peak, a team of us went to northern Iraq. And I came home uh, a different person. I went twice that year. And um, I saw things from a different perspective. And sitting in a tent with uh, about a half dozen to a dozen young uh, women who were kidnapped and sold as sex slaves, uh, Muslim, uh, excuse me, they weren't Muslims, they were Yazidi, which has a splinter group somewhat from Christianity. And when we finished, um, I asked, would you mind if we stood and we... Just joined hands and we could pray for you. And then I realized, you know, I'm an American. First of all, I shouldn't even suggest telling them to do anything. And secondly, for them to join hands, that would be not really culturally the thing to do. The oldest woman was about 24, I'd say. She had a five-year-old daughter, beautiful five-year-old. At that time, I had a five-year-old granddaughter. And uh, I was looking at her, and there are posters all over northern Iraq and Syria for her capture because she is worth millions of dollars to the ISIS people who were animals, and um I apologize that I said, "Should we stand?" and those of us from the u s and uh we we put our hands down and they wanted to hold hands and that mother of that little five year old girl she was a spokesperson for this group, and I can't tell you the wickedness that was perpetrated, but I imagine you could understand, and she said no. We don't want to become any religion. We want the love that we see coming out of you. And that's who Jesus is. And I pray that love can bring more forgiveness in your life. You'll accept more of God's mercy. Don't beat yourself up and be so hard on yourselves. But don't turn to the world and the flesh for the things that could maybe ease the pressure. It's in the times that we remember that there's no testing or temptation taken you, but such is common to everyone. And God is faithful. Don't ever forget, he's faithful. We may not be, but he is. God is faithful not to allow you to be tested beyond what you are able to bear. So that always helps me when I'm feeling down. I'm able to bear this or the Lord wouldn't let it come. But with the testing comes a means of escape. And I have personally found that to pray, to call on Jesus, to walk with him, is the answer. And he is calling us to prepare ourselves. The Bible says the bride prepared herself and made herself ready. And that's just before the very end. And we are saying it's going to take revival of not celebrity pastors or evangelists. It takes people. Down to earth, everyday people like you that really love God, but you don't have a voice. But if you will start praying, our verse for today was Jeremiah 29.7. And this was a great hope in those days when Jeremiah gave it. And here's what it said. Seek the peace in the city I have caused you to be carried away to. And pray to the Lord for us. It's peace you will have. The same peace. So if you will just start praying for your city. When I did this in the early days of my ministry in San Diego, we went from 10 people in the living room to a year later, 3,000 people a month in the downtown concourse of San Diego to more and more. And if you just seek God's peace, it is a dark world. But instead of us beating up on the people that are trapped in this dark world, let's never forget that we once were trapped and the love of God is so strong for us why can't we let our light so shine that men would see our good works and give glory to God yeah seek the peace of the people in your city and that peace will come upon you he was preparing the Jews at that time in context he was preparing them for 70 years and the leaders didn't believe that God would let them be there 70 years and they wanted to kill Jeremiah no Go by the word and just trust him. Trust him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. These are days full of deception. These are days where lawlessness is abounding. These are days that we're not sure. We've never been on lockdown. Lockdown is a word for jails and prisons when there's a riot. But in medical terms, lockdown is not found in any pandemics. So please realize you are needed in this battle for souls. And God has prepared you for such a time as this. And as the murders go up in Los Angeles and in San Diego, and the darkness sweeps over the Southland, don't let your light be put out. Let your light shine. Men will see your good works and they'll give glory. To God. And I could never tell you enough. Pray for your pastors. They have battles going on all around them and in them their family, their neighbors, their friends, their congregations, people in the community, on and on and on. And only God gives them the grace to be there for you. So pray for them. They're taken for granted. And you're not looking for a superstar, you're looking for somebody that has knelt before the cross of Jesus and humbly given their lives to serve you. And King David, as powerful of a man as he was, mentally this guy, strong personality, probably an A type or type A. He said, I'd rather be the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And You know, when that lady in that tent in northern Iraq 15 minutes, we were 15 minutes away from ISIS warriors, said, we don't want a religion. We want the love that is inside of all of you. That's both volumes to me, that only God can do it. So I pray you will turn your prayers towards his throne and beg him to use you. Don't look to be famous. Don't look for anything that you can benefit. Look to be in a servant. And greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. And that's why we're here with you, to remind you there is a living God and a loving God who is aware of you, who created you. Jeremiah said to God as a teenager, he lived in a town called Anatoth, which was telling us that his father was a priest. The priesthood uh, had Anatoth as one of their cities that was given to them that they could live in peacefully and retire in. And he said, Oh, Lord God, but I can't speak. I'm just a youth. And the Lord said, Jeremiah, don't tell me you can't speak. You're just a youth because before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. God thought Jeremiah out. He's special. God thought you out. You are special. And God wants to give you the blessings of his kingdom so you can share them with those around you. Would you do that? And would you start praying all the time for our country that a revival could break out and God's glory could shine from sea to glorious shining sea that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Don't ever forget how dark the night gets. Joy comes in the morning and God's love is thinking only the best for you and about you. So thank you, and I hope to be back with you tomorrow afternoon from 2 to 5, and hope that you will enjoy what you're hearing and feel free to comment. So in closing, this is Mike McIntosh filling in. Thank you for listening today. An honor to be in your presence, and we'll talk to you tomorrow